Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. I have to admit, I was a little worried as I uh, sat down to watch the Chris Rock special, uh, Selective Outrage on Netflix. I didn't watch it live. I watched it yesterday. uh, And I thought, he's going to, he's going to soften it a little. He's going to, it's been a year since uh, he was attacked on stage at the Oscars by Will Smith. And I just thought over the course of a year, maybe, you know, he'd... uh, He'd find a little forgiveness in his heart. Uh, Will Smith is a big, powerful force in Hollywood, and so is his wife. And I'm thinking someone had to get to Chris Rock. They had to say, listen, you know, let's let bygones be bygones. Let's just get over it. And he would talk about it, but he wouldn't really hold a grudge. Uh, Maybe if he did this, you know, a year ago, a couple days after the attack, he would still be seething and he would still be spitting mad, but not now, not after a year. Well, I was wrong. No need to worry if you haven't seen it yet. It is just a glorious uh, counterpunch from Rock to uh, Smith and his wife. He held nothing back. In fact, he brought things up I didn't even... I. I didn't even remember some of the stuff that he was talking about, but uh, you could just tell he is just full of uh, full of hate for uh, Will Smith and G.I. Jane. And he did not leave a speck of meat on their bones. All I could picture as I'm sitting there is Will Smith and his wife watching this, <laughs> this uh, and, and, you know, they were, I mean, I don't think that they weren't in attendance for this show. Uh, one of the people in attendance I was just reading about is a good friend of Meghan Markle. And she was like in tears. She was upset because he attacked Meghan Markle, which is low hanging fruit. It doesn't take much to attack Meghan Markle and the Royal family. It was still, it was good. It was funny, but I thought the whole show, the first 45 minutes were just okay. I had a couple of laughs, a couple of chuckles. Mm-hmm. He, he did, uh, he did talk about transgender issues and he talked about abortion And he did his best, Dave Chappelle. He tried to go to those places. He tried to cross that line uh, and and intentionally and offend people, which is good. That's what he should do. But the thing doesn't, it it didn't do much for me until he started talking about the slap. And boy, did he go all in on the slap, talking about how big Will Smith is and how much bigger he is and how he couldn't have fought the guy because... uh, is just uh, would have been no match 
but he got him back the way Chris Rock knows how, and that's with a absolute <laughs> vicious, vengeful, hateful uh, attack on Smith and people who defended Smith and Smith's wife and Smith's wife's uh, boyfriend. That would be what Will Smith's and their son's friend that she was banging. Got to go there. If you really want to get your revenge, you got to go there. And he did. And he upset all the right people. I thought that, that when I was over, I said, that was great. I don't think the whole thing was great. I really don't. I was sitting there for a while saying, "Eh, it's okay. It's kind of, uh, uh, a lot of stuff was predictable, a lot of race talk. Talk about January 6th, which is pretty old. And uh, his point that he made about January 6th was just stupid, that it was white men attacking other white men. Like, that's why they were there. I mean, it's almost like Chris Rock proved it had nothing to do with race because he couldn't understand why white men, Trump supporters, were uh, attacking the Capitol, which is controlled by white men. I'm like, well, well, there's the point there, Chris. Race has nothing to do with it. It's not about race. Everything's not about race uh, in this country, but it is to Chris Rock. He is he is a little bit obsessed with the race of everybody, and uh, that's a big part of his show. Here's here's an observation I have. See see if you agree, Ironhead. I know you're a a comedy aficionado. Sure. Um, he's a combination of Eddie Murphy and Dave Chappelle. He tries to do the political stuff, the, 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 the politically incorrect stuff that Chappelle does. He talks about, you know, transgender and abortion and all that. And he tries to do Eddie Murphy with the physical comedy with the, you know, shaking his ass and walking like somebody and, and, and talking, you know, he has the, they're not imitations, but he'll do a voice of a, of a black woman talking to a black man. That was Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy did it better than Chris Rock. Chappelle does the politics better than Chris Rock, but it's a good, it's a good hybrid. And obviously he's a legend and a, and a top, whatever, top 10 comedian of all time in his own right. But he, he, he's not as good as at Chappelle at this. And I'll tell you why he wants to talk about transgender issues, but he held, he holds back and he's, he wants it both ways. He wants to be, he wants credit for talking about trans issues, which is dangerous. We know that the transgender mob is vicious and and ruthless and they have the media in their pockets. So if you go there and, and you could see it online, there's a lot of people on social media who are offended by his discussion of, uh, you know, of of Caitlyn Jenner and other transgender and what he would do if his father was suddenly uh, uh, pretending to be a woman and how he would be okay with it, but his brother wouldn't, that's, that's kind of weak. That's like, yeah, sure, I'd be okay if my father showed up in a dress. Nobody believes that, but he didn't want to completely go all in the way Chappelle would, um, but still it was funny and it was dangerous and uh, I don't even think the brother, the brother's not even alive. His ear doesn't even exist. <laughs> but the brother, the truck driver, who would have been pissed at their father if he was trans. Chris wants to be the guy who talks about the issue and, uh, and, and offends some people, but he doesn't want to go all in. He's okay, he said, because he's an artist. And artists are okay with transgender people. But his truck driver brother, he would have hated that. That's weak. You know, that's like going, you know, sticking your toe in and saying, nah, I don't think I want to go all in on this. 
And the abortion rant was just bizarre talking about all the abortions he's paid for and how, uh, how he, he, you know, supports abortion completely, but it's killing a baby. That, by the way, that's a uh, Bill Burr rant. Remember, Bill, we played the Bill Burr thing. That had to be less than a year ago. Bill Burr said essentially the same thing. It was a big deal. It was kind of controversial. And it sounded to me like Rock just pilfered that from Bill Burr. But again, I like political commentary. I like when people go to the dangerous places. I don't like Sebastian Maniscalco, who talks about, you know, cell phones or you know, running on the treadmill at the gym or just, and does little, you know, waves his hands and does jumps around the stage and never really offends anybody, never goes to those dangerous places. So I appreciated that, but I'll ask you, Ironhead mm-hmm. first 45 minutes. How many chuckles did you get from Chris Rock? Um, Maybe a couple. I didn't think, I thought it was pretty dated, honestly, like uh, the Kardashian stuff and the Meghan Markle stuff was, I mean, I don't know if it's just because it's the last year and a half or something has been nothing but like bashing her. So it's kind of like regurgitating that stuff. It is. I agree. Uh, Absolutely. Good point by you. It felt like a lot of it was stuff you could have done two years ago, a year ago, whatever, five years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe he did, maybe, you know, maybe he's been working on it for that long, but it is, it doesn't take much to go after Meghan Markle and the Royal family talked about how I did enjoy you know, it though. I just, I always like when she gets brought up, uh, and <laughs> no, you know, that's going to offend some people, which is good. But uh, the idea that it, it's a legitimate claim that the Royal family's racist because someone wanted to know how brown the baby was going to be. First of all, I don't believe that. Secondly, not that the, the, nobody thinks that uh, the, the Royal family didn't accept her because she's black. Cause no one really think of, thinks of her as black. I mean, it's not as he pointed out and he went through the different black you know, levels of blackness, the Steph Curry versus Draymond Green, which was pretty good, but you're right. It feels like he could have done that a year ago, two years ago. And a Kardashian thing. I mean, it was funny when he talked about Robert Kardashian uh, making, uh, was it God who told him because he got OJ off, yeah. he was going to condemn him for now on all your daughters are only going to sleep with black guys. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I laugh, but you're right. Could have been done a year ago, five years ago. Robert Kardashian was dead for years. He was talking about OJ Simpson, which is kind of old, but he's good. He can do it. He can pull it off. If that were someone else, you'd say that's, that's an act from, you know, 2008 or something, or at least a rant, a riff from 2008. So maybe he was just saving it up, but he was, he was good and angry and edgy and uh, full of energy, and you're sitting there the whole time going, what's he going to say about Will Smith? What's he going to say about Jada Pinkett Smith? And, man, he le- he held nothing back. That is a guy who is really still, uh, you, you know, th- he's thinking of je- about just how outrageous it was that this a-hole stormed the stage and smacked him, and he... Uh, obviously everybody for a year now has wanted to talk to him about it, want to sit down with him. And I, I thought that was a good point. He says, you will never see me sit down with uh, Oprah or Gail King and cry. I'm not a victim. 
And then he kind of went off for 10 minutes on what a victim he is, which is, uh, which is good. I, I really would, I'd be sitting here right now. I'd say if he had ever said, you know, what in some form, you know, I'm over it. We talked, we're good. That would have been the great, that, that would have ruined the whole special. This thing will be remembered. Uh, I think the, the takeaway from this one hour special on Netflix is that this guy has not gotten over it at all. He hates Will Smith and he hates Jada Pinkett Smith even more. I mean, he was talking about defending Will Smith when Will Smith's wife cheated on him and talked about it, talked about it with him on whatever show it was. I don't even know, but I I had almost forgot about that. And he went back to it and man, did he go all in. It is kind of, kind of uh, amazing when you think about it, that she cheated on him with their son's friend. And then she sat and talked about it with him for all the world to see. This is a picture from that interview. This is her sitting down with her husband. The, I mean, just, he looks so weak when you think about it. What a cuck that has to hurt. And, uh, yeah. And, and I, I, you know what? He hates her more than he hates him. And uh, Chris Rock is never going to get over it. I don't know if he'll go on tour. Maybe he's already got the, the tour planned, but this will be part of his act forever. He's 58 years old. He'll be around for another, I don't know, 30 years maybe. He will be talking about those two, those two punks, Will and Jada, for the rest of his career. And it will be great. Of course, I went online yesterday right after the show to see the reviews. And all I'm going to say is um, it, it, he, he pulled, he, mission accomplished for Chris Rock because all the usual, you know, the, uh, the Daily Beast and all the usual, you know, liberal snowflake sites were just so offended. They didn't like it. I just read this one review from uh, USA Today. The, oh, they call him a sad old man yelling at clouds. Uh, their, their reviewer, Kelly Lawler, just kills him for it. And you know what her biggest problem is? All that mean transgender talk. He said he would have no problem if his father were transgender. He had no problem with transgender people. But you cannot talk about trans. You can't uh, laugh at transgender people. You can't laugh at guys dressing up as women, pretending to be women, winning awards, winning swim races, winning powerlifting competitions. You can't talk about it without really upsetting the mainstream media. So I guess that's good. One after another, I got the daily, I got uh, USA today, the independent, all these uh, reviewers who hate comedy, who hate good comedy. Uh, well, he said uh, that just, he said that you would accept his dad, but He was making a comparison to the Kardashians because the next episode, they're like, oh, I guess she's a woman now. And he said it would probably take him a couple seasons, which is probably (laughs) nobody would be like fine with it. If their father showed up in a dress, let's be honest, no one in that audience, no one watching Netflix. uh, uh, um, He sounds he says rock. I mean, she says rock sounded like uh a guy at the end of the block screaming about kids. Uh, they, it, it was a flimsy, flaccid special that gained nothing from being live. Yeah, it did. The fact that it was live was great. And uh, the fact that uh, you weren't sure what was going to happen next included one, one heckler 
who he just shouted down and, and the guy wasn't heard from again. A sad, predictable trajectory for the comedian, certainly one of the all-time greats. His observation, observational comedy was deeply subversive and incisive. Uh, it is embarrassing to watch Rock complain about the kids with their wokeness and their social media and their feelings. Boo-hoo for them. They don't have real problems. Not like Rock, who was slapped at the Oscars. Uh, he says... He may have millions of dollars, but he identifies as poor. That's just a dumb joke. That's a mentality uh, thing, though, not literally. It's 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 the problem is not that that Rock made jokes about young people or transgender people or women or Meghan Markle. It's that he made bad jokes. He doesn't have he doesn't have to like the people he talks about. He doesn't have to like anyone. But if he's going to spend five minutes on a bit about what might happen if his parents were transgender, the punchline has to be better than. Wouldn't that be insane? You know, there's no punchline that would satisfy this person or any of these reviewers. They, they, they do not accept jokes about transgender. Doesn't matter whether it's Chappelle or Bill Burr or whoever, uh, they're not going to accept it. And, uh, that's why I, that's why I enjoyed it because I knew even if it wasn't particularly funny, I know in their mind it was dangerous, but I have to go to my favorite review this is just a tweet, but it's Ben Collins. If you know Ben Collins, he's from NBC. He's just the biggest snowflake of them all. He's the one who cried after the uh, nightclub shooting in California by the non-binary psycho who shot up the nightclub. And he blamed, you know, Trump and Tucker Carlson. He literally wept on set when he was uh, in studio talking about it. And Ben Collins tweets, oh, God, this thing, this just makes me laugh. He says, I got 14 minutes into the Chris Rock special before my subconscious took over, said, okay, that's enough, out loud, and turned my whole TV off. Pure animal instinct, defending against hearing the same joke for the 8,000th time. My soul was dying and took control of my physical self. Mm -hmm. Now this, I assume this is a drunk tweet. I mean, I don't know what else it could be. It's still up. It's still up. I, I want to see how uh, he got 2,900 likes, 117 retweets. And he got ratioed to hell. But uh, let's just go over this again, because this is an NBC reporter, a national reporter. He says, uh, 14 minutes in, his subconscious took over and said, okay, that's enough out loud. His subconscious said that out loud. I don't think he could do that. And he turned, he says, quote, I turned my whole TV off. Can you help me out here? Arnett? How would you turn part of your TV off? I turn about whole TV off. Yeah. I turn about 83% of mine off at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I admit the first, you know, 45 minutes weren't great, but I didn't turn my whole TV off. It I was, stuck with it. It was good. It wasn't great. <laughs> Pure animal instinct defending against hearing the same joke for the eighth. I don't know what the joke is. He doesn't tell you. And then he says, my soul was dying and took control of my physical self. <laughs> what the hell? His soul was dying because a comedian was making jokes about whatever race and, and, and transgenderism and the Royal family. 
And then uh, somebody says, it was so bad I couldn't believe it. And Ben Collins replies, truly shocking. And I didn't have high hopes. So Chris Rock is making a live, doing a live performance, first time in since the attack, first time in years. And he didn't have high hopes. There is nothing. Here's what comedians, all comedians, little nightclub comedians and, and you know, uh, big stars and Chappelle and Burr, they have to understand there is nothing you could say, nothing you could do that would ever satisfy the USA Today reviewer, the, uh, the, the, the Daily Beast critic, or Ben Collins from NBC News, nothing. They don't, they hate comedy. That's why comedy is so important. That, that's why it matters because it's, it's in many ways, it's the, in the canary in the coal mine. If you can't take comedy, I mean, this, you think Ben Collins is going to be able to handle commentary from someone he disagree with, disagrees with someone from the New York Post or Fox News or Newsmax? Of course not. He's, he's the face of, of cancel culture. And he, he's looking to cancel people. He would love right now, if there was a movement to boycott Chris Rock, Boycott, whatever the, the the theater that he performed in Netflix. If there was a boy, if there was a walkout at Netflix from some of the twinks that worked there that take offense to everything, <laughs> Collins would be one hundred percent in support of that. They hate comedy. They hate commentary that they don't agree with. And their answer is shut him down, shut him up. That's why. That's why it's important for comedians to do things like. Make fun of transgender people. Make fun of, uh, or talk about abortion. Even you know, obviously, I'm 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 against abortion. Chris Rock is is enthusiastically pro-choice, bragging about how many abortions he pays for, telling people to get abortions. I didn't. I it didn't take over. It didn't. Um, let me get this right. It, my soul didn't die when I heard him do that. It didn't take control of my physical self. I didn't turn my whole TV off because he was defending abortion. You pathetic little squish. This is embarrassing just to read. And he has not taken it down yet, I guess. I'll give him credit. Although maybe he doesn't even remember uh, tweeting it out. Who knows? But uh, that's the best, you know, that's to me the best review you can get is someone like this being so offended that they turned their whole TV off. That is as good a endorsement, as good a review as you're going to get. I'm going to give it a, um, I, I was going to give it like a C until the last 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to yeah. give it a B plus. All right. Ironhead, give it a grade. I, I was literally thinking like C minus until the end. Um, like I said, it was, it wasn't his best. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible or anything. It was just kind of, like I said, dated. But the end definitely brought it up to like a BB plus for me. For there, sure. were, there, were, there weren't many belly laughs. There weren't many points where you just, I mean, I thought the Kardashian line with the God and Robert Kardashian was pretty damn good. And there were, you know, some real funny lines. I thought the story he told about his daughter in Portugal, which was about 10 minutes long, was a little tedious. I like that. Not that funny. Yeah. I think he was just, you know, giving us a look into his life. This rich, super rich guy trying to raise kids who aren't spoiled like he was, uh, you know, raise kids who aren't spoiled. He's failed. They're obviously spoiled. And he was very proud that his daughter is going to cooking school in Paris. 
very proud of that and talked about his mother. And I mean, it was a nice story, but it wasn't funny. It wasn't hysterical. Chris Rock in the past has made me laugh much more than he did Saturday night. But definitely I do, I do appreciate when comedians uh, do not make the, the, the belly laugh, the top priority. They make going there. They, they'd rather go there, make people uncomfortable, make them squirm a little bit, make them turn their whole TV off. If that's your goal, I respect that. I would much rather watch that than listen to a, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco talk about cell phones or which is the new airline food. You know, it used to be now it's cell phones and people obsessed with their cell phones and people walking down the sidewalk and falling into manholes because they're on their cell phones. That's lame. Sebastian Maniscalco's lame. Chris Rock, he still got it. I don't, uh, I don't think it was the funniest uh, performance ever, but I do appreciate that I, he's pissed off a lot of people. I know we can't play. We can't play the Netflix sound. We're, we're not allowed to, correct? Right. So it's just kind of someone's uh, phone recording. Someone's phone recording. Well, lots of people did this. They recorded and some people were offended. Some people were uh, thought it was great. I, 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 like, I like revenge. I like the fact that he holds a grudge and held nothing back. I guarantee you people work behind the scenes, you know, to iron this out, to get these two kids together and maybe get them to work out their differences. And Chris Rock said, screw that. Uh, and, and you could tell, man, I don't know what parts he left out, but he was so just, so just pissed, just frothing, angry that he kind of screwed up his lines a couple times during this. He seemed, oh, I, that's, that's not the joke. I screwed it up because he was so mad. Yeah. It was a, it was the definition of an angry rant. Let's uh, listen to a little bit and hope, uh, you know, we, we won't get flagged for playing something, whatever. Uh, this is off somebody's phone who recorded on the TV. Yeah. Pretty good quality though. Somebody they recorded on their whole TV. It looks like uh, 96%. There's some 96% of their TV. Uh, This is him on stage wearing all white um, and uh, had something weird hanging out of his back pocket. I didn't quite get that. I thought it was the tag for a minute because I was looking at it. I I thought it was going to be part of the act. He'd pull it out at some point, but he never did. I'm not really sure what, what, what it was, but, uh, and they showed the crowd a lot. But there were some famous people there. Chappelle was there, I believe. And they didn't show them. They, he talked about his mother, said she's right over there. And they didn't show her, which is a little weird. But This was uh, also, they, this was in Baltimore, Jada Pinkett Smith's hometown, which was also ooh, funny. Oh, that's, I didn't even think of that. Her hometown in Baltimore. Uh, the crowd uh, was well behaved. I was wondering that, like, you're on, you're live on Netflix. If you let one, you know, climate cultist in, they could have disrupted the whole thing. Oh yeah. I don't know how they assured that wouldn't happen, but it didn't. Again, I said right off the bat, take the stage. Some heckler said something and he said, N word, sit down, man. He's another one of those guys who uh, uses the N word a lot. You know, I, I, I know a college college football quarterback in Florida sang the N word in his car by himself, sang it, sang a song and was, his life was destroyed, lost a scholarship, no one else will touch him, but Chris Rock can go up there, say the N word 10,000 times. And it's just part of the act. But 
Uh, that's the way it is. That's I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna start bitching about that now. That's just the way it is. Let's listen to a little bit of the last ten minutes of the of the absolute disembowelment of the of the uh, will of Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith. Go ahead. And his wife was fucking her son's friend. Okay. Now I normally would not talk about this shit. But for some reason, these niggas put that shit on the internet. I have no idea why two talented people would do something that fucking low down. What the fuck? It, we all been cheated on. Everybody in there been cheated on. None of us have ever been interviewed by the person that cheated on us on television. None of us. They're like, hey, I was sucking somebody else's dick. How did that make you feel? Why the fuck would you do that shit? She hurt him way more than he hurt me, okay? Okay? And by the way, he does that shit. Everybody in the world called him a bitch. I tried to call the motherfucker and give him my condolences. He ain't pick up for me. Everybody called that man a bitch. Fucking the Charlemagne called him a bitch. And the Breakfast Club called him a bitch. And the View and the Talk and every rapper and, and fucking the Drink Champs called him a fucking bitch. Everybody called him a bitch. They called his wife a predator. Everybody called him a bitch. <laughs> Oh, that that was from the heart, man. And uh, I didn't know that. He called him to console him after his wife cheated on him, and uh, Will didn't pick up. And that's, uh, that's a little uh, pro tip out there. When uh, someone calls you to offer the, you know, you should pick up, because they took their time to, to, to call you. Will Smith blows off Chris Rock, slaps Chris Rock, but Chris Rock got the last laugh. And uh, I don't know what you do now if you're Will Smith. I don't know what you do if you're Jada Pinkett Smith. But uh, I assume they'll be asked about it somewhere along the line when they're promoting something. That was a good line, too. When he he was watching Emancipation, the uh, slavery movie about slavery, and Will starring Will Smith. And he was rooting for the master because he was beating him. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was good, edgy I think, humor. I think you missed a spot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's that's pretty good, I got to say. And uh, I maybe Ben Collins maybe should have hung in there because there was some good, uh, some good lines, some quality humor in the last 10, 15, 20 minutes. But uh, we'll see what the fallout is. Again, lots of bad reviews, which means it was good. Lots of people are offended, which means it was mission accomplished. Uh, I don't know if he takes that show on the road. Do you know that, Iron? Is he going to take this show on the road? No, that was the that was the end of it. It's been on the road for the last year or so. But he he did the same. Did he do it? Because I hadn't heard that he did that kind of rant against Will Smith in his act. He, I know that was kind of on the low low key. They didn't promote it a lot. They but do. Does, um, they when he goes to his shows, he puts his phone in those. Um, bags that lock so no one can record uh, it. So there was like rumors that he was doing this, but I didn't know it was to this level. 
that's good. And, uh, you know, it's, it worked, got people talking about it, got people watching it again, Netflix doesn't normally do this. They went live and it worked. There were no big disruptions, a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz. Uh, although I was uh, watching it yesterday. It wasn't the number one thing on, uh, on Netflix. The number one thing is a, a movie about uh, with Jason Bateman and Jane Fonda, like so, a Jewish family and somebody dies. And I'm going, how the hell is this beating out Chris Rock? You didn't watch this live, right? You said, uh, right, I watched it yesterday. I, I went to turn it on like 15 minutes before it started. There was a pre-show, which I don't know if you watched. Leslie Jones was just God awful. Um, oh, really? Yeah. She didn't realize it was live and just started like screaming about Chris Rock and saying, it was really strange. But, um, I had to search, I had to type it out to find it. It didn't automatically pop up or anything. Right, I didn't. I looked Saturday night and didn't automatically pop up, but I didn't care. I just watched it yesterday, not live. Didn't see the pregame or postgame show, Bad. but uh, it worked. It worked, and I'm sure it generated massive whatever downloads, and I'm sure it was a big success. And uh, Chris Rock's got lots of people mad at him. Maybe his daughter and his ex-wife are mad at him because man. He goes into great detail about how spoiled his daughters are <laughs> and uh, his ex-wife. That was a funny line where he says his ex-wife has as much money as he does. And she's not funny at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she got half his money. Uh, I can imagine, but uh, he admits, you know, he screwed around a lot, but uh, good job. Chris Rock, big, big day here. Mondays are all, I got so much stuff here. Iron. It's so much good stuff. Um, we got, uh, we got Russell Brand on, uh, on Bill Maher. Man, has he, uh, has he gone to war against the wokesters? I used to hate Russell Brand. He's one of, another one of those guys like Bill Maher. I used to, I used to really despise Russell Brand, but man, does he bring the truth when he, show, I, I haven't really watched his podcast, but he is going, uh, he's all in against, uh, cancel culture against Fauci cult. We can get to that. Uh, the uh, Joe Biden was marching in Selma with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. You want to honor, you know, black Americans, the, the hero, heroism of the of the uh, protesters on Bloody Sunday. You go with a couple of scam artists, a couple of con men by your side. Why? Why would you choose those two? Honest to God, we got some sound from Biden. It's pathetic as you expect. The New York Times has really found, you, you think racism might be on the decline in America? No, no, no. They have an example, they have North America, this is in Canada. But man, it's like bringing back the days of, of, of the Klan and Jim Crow, Jim Crow 2.0. We'll get to this uh, absolutely laughable article in the New York Times, but I want to get to this uh, Djokovic story. If you haven't heard, Novak Djokovic, the best tennis player in the world, the best tennis player ever, Sportsman of the year, if the things were, if people were being honest, this is a guy with real courage, a guy who refused to get vaccinated. He's still banned from coming into the United States. Joker can't come to the U.S. and play tennis because of COVID. What the hell? Is this some, am I, is this a story from two years ago? This is amazing. We'll get to that and lots more. But first, 
I absolutely love this time of year. The madness is upon us. College basketball is king in March. Time for buzzer-beating shots, Cinderella stories, and rivalries with great histories. Make your March a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit mybookie.website slash Jerry and use promo code Jerry to receive a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at big money. If you're the type of person who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at a life-changing amount of money. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like MyBookie. Remember, visit MyBookie online at mybookie.website slash Jerry and use promo code Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. I, I need someone to explain to me, who wants to keep Novak Djokovic out of the United States? Who? Name one. I mean, I guess Fauci, maybe Bob, Joe Biden, maybe I don't know, Kamala, I don't know. but Roger Federer. <laughs> Rafael Nadal, he definitely wants to keep him out of the U.S. But I saw this story and I was like, what, what is going on here? You forget that the COVID crazies are still in control. Uh, it, it's just a remarkable thing. This is from uh, uh, Fox Sports. It says Novak Djokovic could find himself ousted from the number one ranking after he was banned again from entering the U.S. Now, he was going to come to the U.S. and play this Indian Wells tournament and then play the U.S. Open. He can't because he didn't get a, a, a vaccine, which we've all learned if, since he was first banned. doesn't work. I mean, it might help if you're old or obese, but it doesn't stop the transmission. He's had COVID twice. He has natural immunity. He's one of the most fit people on planet Earth. He is in no danger of dying from COVID. And you're afraid he will spread COVID? Well, what does the vaccine do for that? Nothing. Uh, Djokovic bid to gain entry to the United States for ATP events at Indian Wells in Miami, received public support from the United States Tennis Association and U.S. Open organizers this weekend. Um, But he had the door slammed by government officials. Republican Senators Rick Scott and Marco Rubio sent a letter to President Joe Biden urging the Biden administration to grant the 22-time Grand Slam champion a waiver. The Serbian star is currently barred from entering the U.S. because he's unvaccinated, but has petitioned U.S. authorities for special permission to enter. He was denied. He cannot play tennis in the United States because he hasn't gotten the jab. This is a story from right now, from 2023. And I keep looking to see who's who's defending it. They got this story has a bunch of people on uh, who are speaking out against it. Bill Maher, including Bill Maher, who said, quote, eminent danger of a man playing tennis for a man who's had it twice. He's standing alone, says Bill Maher, a sport where you stand alone in the middle of a stadium outside in a country where everybody's already had COVID. No imminent danger. This stuck. This country is stuck on stupid. That's from Bill Maher. Who disagrees with that? Who thinks anyone's better off keeping this man out of the United States? Check, check something for me quick, Ironhead. Mm-hmm. How many countries still forbid people from entering 
without proof of vaccination. The list has gotten much shorter and it includes like North Korea and, uh, and, and I don't know, Iran. I mean, it's just not company you would like to keep, but the U S under Joe Biden. And again, I know, I think I know why they're doing it because COVID is the reason Joe Biden is president. COVID is the reason he was elected while hiding in his basement. You know, Fauci selling COVID fear is the reason Biden won, Biden beat Trump. So they're never going to let it go. But at some point, I guess they've already announced it's over in May. The the, the COVID emergency is over in May, which will be uh, how long after he declared COVID was over. He declared it when he was walking through that that uh, auto show with uh, Scott Pelley. He said COVID's over like months and months ago. And yet the best tennis player in the world can't play tennis can't stand by himself in the middle of a stadium outside and play tennis because of COVID. That's a good, a good one from, uh, from Rich on the comment line, Taylor Lorenz. She is definitely for keeping Djokovic out of the country. I don't know how many other people are uh, on board with this. What's the list? What do you got there? Eight countries, eight, there are 193 countries, eight still require a vaccine passport. And we here, the land of the free, still requires a vaccine passport. Everybody knows it's all theater. Everybody knows Djokovic presents no danger to anyone. And yet we're still keeping him out. How, how are these idiots? How are these, these people still in charge? Just nuts. Oh, by the way, related story. I want to do this. It's a little complicated, but I don't care. Um, there are still people defending Fauci, including our president, or at least his spokesman. Uh, cringe John Pierre said the other day that we should all respect and appreciate Fauci. Spent his whole life saving lives. Um, she hasn't really read up. Doesn't matter. There are people, Democrats, still defending Fauci. They don't like when people attack Fauci. And I, it's simple. It can, you can. It's simple to explain. Again, Fauci helped defeat Trump. That's all that matters. Fauci, they could find, you know, a, a dead body in his trunk. I mean, they, they, they wouldn't matter. He helped defeat Trump. They could not have defeated Trump without him. So after this, Fauci could lie about everything, and he has. Fauci could turn out to be the biggest scoundrel in, in U.S. history, and he has. Doesn't matter. If you help defeat Trump, you can do no wrong. You are in their good graces forever. That's the explanation. It's simple. I understand it. But how much more evidence do you need that this guy is just the biggest lion snake in in, in the history of the uh, U.S. government? Uh, this broke over the weekend from Miranda Devine in the New York Post. New emails uncovered by House Republicans probing the COVID pandemic reveal the deceptive nature of Dr. Anthony Fauci. They show that he prompted or commissioned and had final approval on a scientific paper written specifically in February, 2020 to disprove the theory that the virus leaked from the lab. So he, <laughs> there's he, uh, Fauci uh, took a break from torturing beagles, killing beagles to commission a paper that would disprove the lab leak theory and c- claim that it came from an animal, a bat. He knew it wasn't true. He'd admitted it by then. Everyone knew it was. Everyone knew it was from Lab League. But the lab in question 
receive funding from Fauci. So Fauci need to cover his own ass. So he propagated this lie that it came from a, a bad or came from a wet market. And he commissioned a paper. And then what did he do eight weeks later? He referred to it and claimed ignorance. Like there's a study out there by some epidemiologists. I, I forget their names, but I can get it to you. This was, he was behind the whole thing. We can listen to him talk about it. But again, keep in mind that he knew all about it. He commissioned it. He knew the doctors in question. He knew the purpose, the motive behind it was to, again, advance the, the, the wet market theory and, 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 and uh, downplay the lab leak theory because the lab leak theory would implicate him 100%. He funded it. He supported it. He did it because you couldn't do that research in the U.S. It's illegal. So he funded it in China and a the virus leaked from the lab, killed 7 million people, and he is culpable. And he's still uh, winning awards and giving speeches for 50,000, 100,000 a pop at universities. He's still in the good graces of uh, the mainstream media, even though this is on record, man. We got it. We have this story, just one of many, of just proving just how duplicitous the man is. But let's listen. This was eight weeks later. I believe this was in uh, April 20, April 17th, talking to reporters about a study that he commissioned for one reason only, to cover his ass. Go ahead, play it. group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences there and the sequences in uh, bats as they evolve and the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. So, I mean, the, the paper will be available. I, I don't have the authors right now, but we can make that available too. The paper he commissioned, the authors he handpicked, he knew them. And he's pretending, oh yeah, the study just came out proving it came from a, an animal. It's totally consistent. Okay, we know that is a lie. Hell, this, the, the other thing we played the other day, which is just amazing, that uh, he, there were two people, two doctors, uh, researchers, who spoke out and said it came from the lab. And then he reached out to them they changed their story the next day, said, oh, maybe it came from a wet market, and they received $9 million in funding from the NIH, like, the next day. How, do, how does that not wake everyone up? How, do we, how can we not, why are we not all in agreement that this guy's a fraud and a liar, and, and he, he misled the country for the last three years? He, he, he literally says, I never said to close schools. Or I never said to shut down the country. And then one of these sites, you know, whatever, will we'll do a montage. They'll put a montage together. And it'll be him saying, shut down this, shut down that, close schools, over and over again. I mean, it, it doesn't matter that he's on tape. It doesn't matter that he's lying over and over again. These people just won't give up because he helped defeat Trump. That's it. That's all. If you do that, you're good. You're good forever. You could... He could show up at the press conference with a, you know, a severed head in his hand and they would say, he just wants to help people. He just, he just dedicated his whole life to helping people and making money. Uh, man, we're going to find out too, before he, 
before he's through, we're going to find out just how much money he's made. He's going to be one of those like Clinton Obama types who got fabulously wealthy on the taxpayer's dime. And it explains everything. He did it all for the money to get rich, to get famous. That's all he was in it for. But anyway, we'll just wait a day. I want, I want to hear someone ask Fauci. I know he's not available to real media people. He's just got people that uh, still worship him. He'll sit down with them. I want to hear him say, why should Novak Djokovic not be allowed in the country? What's the rationale? Help me with this. Explain this to me. Why does he not get to come into the country and play tennis? <laughs> why? He's go- Oh, it's dangerous? To whom? Just madness. Utter, utter madness. And uh, makes you think that there will, there will be remnants from this. If you, if you forget, there's a few sites, a, a few accounts on Twitter that remind us every day what they did to us. You know, they'll show you pictures of people who are like wrapped in cellophane, hugging each other. They show you the kids in the band. Remember the high school band where they were in these little pods? They'll show you this, uh, the skate parks full of sand or the guy getting arrested paddle boarding or the family getting arrested for sitting on the beach. Every day, these, there, there are a few sites that will remind you just how insane the country was. It's still that way in some corners. They're still banning people, healthy, fit young people from traveling to this country without their papers. Where are your papers? All right, we got lots more to get to. Uh, you know, I want to get to Russell Brand uh, with John Heilman just dressing down that sleazeball, John Heilman, which is good. But I do have to do this uh, New York Times story because, man, this this is just the funny. I say this all the time. The New York Times doesn't have a comics page because it would be redundant. There's nothing funnier than the front page. It is just such a joke. A former, a once respected newspaper is just this comically woke uh, left wing rag that has no credibility left at all. This was over the weekend. Uh, get the uh, get the get the picture up because it's just the pic. You need the picture and the headline. This is the story. New York Times, I believe, Saturday. Yes, Saturday. Uh, headline: Black equestrians want to be safe, but they can't find helmets. That's a real headline. Subhead: For black riders with natural hair, finding a helmet that fits can be virtually impossible. Some are trying to raise awareness of the problem, but manufacturers say it's not a simple fix. This is an entire story about how an equestrian horse rider, whatever, a horse jumper, a horse, a little rich kid with a horse, her helmet doesn't fit because she has braids or dreadlocks or whatever. She has big hair. And her helmet doesn't fit. Uh, the author, who is, should be embarrassed by this for the rest of her life, is named McKenna Oxenden. McKenna Oxenden writes, Chanel Robbins has been riding horses most of her life, ever since her grandmother traded a cow from their family's farm for a pony when she was seven. First of all, I, guarantee, I almost guarantee you that's not true. Just made that up. Anyway. Galloping through the fields on her pony, Star, offered an escape from thoughts that weighed on her, that she didn't have a relationship with her biological parents, or that she was the only black girl in the neighborhood. About eight years ago, she reconnected with her father, a native of Jamaica. As the two grew closer, Ms. Robbins decided to style her hair in locks like her dad. 
but there was a problem. Her riding helmet no longer fit, and she couldn't find one that did. I'm not making this up. This is a real story in a what used to be a real newspaper. Quote, I finally freaking feel like myself, and now society is asking me to change, says Ms. Robbins as she choked back tears. I just want to be able to ride. (laughs) Black equestrians have long felt virtually invisible in a sport that remains overwhelmingly white. It doesn't remain overwhelming. It remains overwhelmingly rich. If there's any sport that's all all about economics and uh, and not about race, wouldn't it be equestrian? Uh, For those with natural hair, uh, finding a helmet that fits can be nearly impossible. Create a, creating another another barrier to full inclusion. Some are now lobbying for change, mindful that horseback riding is among the leading causes of sports-related brain injury. The helmet company said it isn't a simple fix, and they have pictures of this poor girl. Uh, Chanel Robbins with a sad face, with her sad face on, because she can't find a helmet that fits. And, you know, first thing this morning, what does Ironhead ask? Same thing. Everybody was asking on Twitter when I tweeted about this. What about the NFL? (laughs) Don't lots of players have big hair? Cam Newton's hair goes like two feet up in the air. He wears a football helmet. But this woman can't find a helmet that covers her hair so she can go ride her pony? I think if you're an equestrian, too, you have the money to get a custom helmet made. Oh, my God. These people have lost their minds. All right. That's uh, the latest from the New York Times. In case you were wondering just how crazy that rag has gone. But uh, do we have time for this FAA nominee? I want to do this. Let's do Shay. Then we'll get to the FAA nominee. I'll ask the question, and it's a good one. Is there one Biden nominee, one, who hasn't been laughably uh, incompetent and unqualified. Have we seen one? We saw that judicial nominee get grilled by John Kennedy, didn't know anything about the Constitution. Obviously, we've seen, uh, you know, whatever, Kamala Harris, Buttigieg, Mayorkas, KJP. I mean, they're all just woefully inept. We might have the best one yet. The F, oh, not, not that he has a big job or anything. He's just in charge of all the airline travel. Two million people fly in this country every day. And the guy Biden wants to oversee all that is absolutely unqualified. But uh, we have that for you. And uh, if we have time, we'll get to Russell Brand because uh, he's my new favorite uh, former liberal. But uh, first, well, it's the dead of winter, but that doesn't slow down shade concrete. They've got a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs that will fit your home. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you a much better curb appeal. You'll be the talk of the town, the envy of the neighborhood. Shea will take care of all this. They remove the old stairs. You don't want to have to do that yourself. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new entrance that will add value to your home. Is not an expense. This is an investment in your home. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you get a brand new front entrance. Go to SheaConcrete.com to learn more. Also, 
you can go there and look for a job. Right now, Shea is hiring. They've got between 15 to 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. All right, uh, let's see if we can do this this, uh, quick. His name is Phil Washington, President Joe Biden's nominee to serve as administrator for the FAA. He went uh, before the Senate and he was questioned uh, by Ted Budd, Ted Budd uh, from North Carolina. And I love these kind of questioning when they just get specific just to expose the frauds. And boy, did Senator Budd expose this fraud. Did I, I didn't, I don't know if I saw the whole thing. Did he have, was he able to answer anything? I mean, maybe Bud should have given him a softball. Like how many wings are on most planes or something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not sure he would have handled that, but he sure didn't know anything about air travel, about planes, about airports. Uh, I can't believe, I understand that Biden's goal is, is diversity alleged, you know, diversity of skin color, diversity of uh, immutable characteristics, doesn't care about diversity of ideas, but, Watch this guy who has who doesn't belong anywhere near the FAA and is going to run the thing. Watch him uh, go before the Senate and get grilled. It's pretty good. Go ahead. So, Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's okay. We'll just keep going. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty important part. Mm-hmm. So what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. Okay, so what are the operational limitations <laughs> of a pilot flying under basic med? Senator, I'm not a pilot, so... Uh, but uh, obviously you'd ever see the F- Federal Aviation Administration. So um, any, any idea what those uh, restrictions are under basic med, quickly? Uh, well, some of the restrictions I think would be high blood pressure. Uh, some of them would be... It's more like how many passengers per airplane, how many pounds okay. in different categories, and uh, what ele- what uh, altitude uh, you can fly under. So, and uh, and then uh, amount of knots. It's under two hundred fifty knots. So, okay. it's not having have anything to do with blood pressure. So, can you tell me what causes <laughs> an aircraft to spin or to stall? Uh, again, Senator, I'm not a pilot. Um, okay, uh, let's keep going. <laughs> what are the three aircraft certifications the FAA requires as part of the manufacturing process? Quickly, please. Three aircraft certifications. Uh, again, uh, what I would say to that is that one of my first priorities would be to fully implement that Certification Act uh, and report. You know the three types, uh, Mr. Washington. The, the three no. types. Okay. Yeah, that's type certificate, production certificate, and airworthiness certificate. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's just keep going, see if we can um, get lucky here. So <laughs> what the minimum separation distance is for landing and departing uh, airliners during the daytime, Mr. Washington? I, I don't want to guess on that, Senator. Are you familiar with the difference between Part 107 and Part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards? Unmanned aerial Unmanned, like drones, are you familiar with yes, the difference? Yes, yes. Okay, you know the difference between those two, Part 44809 and Part 107? Do you know the difference there? No, I cannot. That's uh, okay. Spell that out. <laughs> oh, for 7. He asked, he asked seven questions. He couldn't answer any of them. And if you're just listening on audio, um, Phil Washington is a man of color, which is all that matters. This is all that Biden cares about. Qualifications, competence, it's irrelevant. As we've seen with Biden for two years now, 
those, those don't matter. Does not matter if the guy's qualified. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's African-American and maybe he's gay. I don't know. Maybe checks a lot of boxes, but, uh, that's all that matters to Joe Biden. Box checking. All right. Well, we'll save. Uh, we will save Russell Brand because it's kind of long, but it's funny and it's good and and he's good. But uh, you know what? This is what Joe Biden has done. Is you could be the most qualified. You could be brilliant. You could be Thomas Sowell. And if Biden nominates him, you're going to look at him and say that's just another diversity hire. He has done a disservice to African Americans, the minorities, gay, whatever. Because you just assume if Biden nominated you, then you're not there for, you know, competence or qualifications. You're there to check a box. That's what he's done. In fact, I shouldn't really go there, but uh, Biden gave the um, Medal of Honor to retired Army Colonel Paris Davis the other day. I had to go read up to make sure to see for myself whether Paris Davis was qualified because he was an African-American and Joe Biden disinvited all the Medal of Honor winners who wanted to go to the ceremony who were nominated by Trump or supported Trump. They weren't invited. So I thought this was totally political. And I said, maybe this guy's not, and he is, he's you know a great hero. Paris Davis deserves it. But Joe, this is what Biden has wrought. You see someone like that and you say, is Biden only picking him for uh, his skin color, his race, his sexuality, whatever. That's where we are, where the president is selecting people for very important jobs you know, the transport, transportation secretary, the FAA, the vice president saying, does do qualifications, does competence matter at all? And the answer after two years is no, no, it doesn't. That doesn't matter at all. Diversity is all that matters. It's a frightening thing when it comes to a job as big and important as the head of the FAA. But that's where we are in Joe Biden's America. And that will do it for today. Thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.